0: Get iXL now, and listeners can get an exclusive 20% off iXL membership when they sign up today at iXL.com slash audio. Visit iXL.com slash audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price.
1: Welcome to Season 2, Episode 88 of Comic Book Nation, the official podcast of comicbook.com. I am your host, Kofi Outlaw, and with me today I have the team of Matt Aguilar. What up? Janelle Wheeler. Hey, guys. And today's special guest host is Mr. JV Lovett, returning once again to the podcast. Hello. And today we got some good topics. We are going to be talking about the Save Daredevil campaign and what's going on with the rights to Daredevil, uh, the Netflix series that is, you know, the Marvel Netflix series. We're also going to be talking about the latest episode of The Mandalorian and how it introduced a live-action Ahsoka Tano to Star Wars and what... We where we go from here, what happened and where we go from here with Ahsoka Tano in the Star Wars universe. Plus, today's review is a comic book, Batman Catwoman, by controversial Batman writer Tom King. And we are here to kind of delve into that. Matt and I were big fans of Tom King's uh, City of Bane arc. And, you know, we took on a lot of that and the controversy about that. And so we're going to talk about how Tom King fits into this equally, even more controversial, Batman, Catwoman love story, so we're going to get into all of that, but right at the top of the show, we got to talk about some changes that we are going to be uh, bringing to Comic Book Nation, so we put our heads together after a very long and strange season two and decided that we want to make some uh, kind of procedural changes to the show, so the first one is we are going to be uh, kind of streamlining the show down to a tighter time format, We've been getting into episodes that were like 70 minutes long but right now those are things of the past and it's not so much that we don't want to talk to you guys longer. It's that we just feel like we've been trying to talk about things and strain conversation while the entertainment industry is kind of in a shutdown spiral and we want to bring you guys only the best. So we're going to be bringing you a tighter show and we're also going to be cutting it down to uh, once a week for now and that's These things are fluid and, but this is just kind of a reality of where we're at in the entertainment industry. We'd rather take more time of having better discussion with you guys rather than kind of trying to keep the same format while movies and stuff stall and TV shows aren't that interesting and production start and stop. So those are just two kind of procedural changes we're making to the show. And as I said, these things are fluid. I mean, we have a very different show in season two than we had in season one and who knows what's going to happen in season three. We have big plans, (laughs) but, uh, And so until then, (laughs) we'll be doing one show a week, and uh, it's not a bad thing, because we figure we can capture more of what's going on in the larger kind of conversational space of the fandom, and and zero in on those topics, have better discussions, bring you guys in, do live shows, get you guys more involved in the show, all things we can do that are feasible if if we have less shows to do. So we are going to go for a quality approach in this, get you guys more involved, and uh, we're going to see how that works, and um, we're kind of excited about that, so... I'm sure you've begun to notice that uh, the show format has changed a little bit. Today will be no different. We will be doing two episodes this week just to give you guys a a runway before we make a change to once a week. So this week, the first week of December, we will be doing two episodes before we go to a a one-show-a-week format. Now, that all said, let's get into what we're going to be discussing. So as I said at the top of the show, we're going to be talking about Save Daredevil you know there's a lot of fan campaigns and petitions out there it can be hard to keep track but uh daredevil was a big one daredevil was canceled by netflix two years ago and we just a couple days ago hit that two-year mark and the big thing of course if you i'm sorry if you heard that like involuntary burp that just kind of <laughs> fell out of me I, that's the first for the show like i said long straight season show hey um but uh yeah that was gross um so daredevil was canceled two years ago the rights have now there was a moratorium put so the netflix shows could use certain characters uh for a certain amount of episodes once those were done there was a two-year freeze on using the characters and then the rights went back to marvel right so i as unbelievable as it seems it has been that two years already because i feel like we just wrote the netflix universe canceled at, like articles yesterday and everybody was apparently devastated
2: was, yeah i mean
1: why it's yeah, all timey yeah. why we, we tardis and now we're here um <laughs> wish we could have changed a few things on the way of our time traveling but, uh, here <laughs> yeah we <are>. but um <laughs> yeah so daredevil the rights are going back to marvel and they're now at marvel studios and so this has been a big kind of kick up for the save daredevil campaign and the thing is I love Daredevil and I love the Marvel Netflix universe, but I thought this is kind of a tricky situation and it's not just as easy as like, let's save Daredevil because like, what does that mean? And this is what I wanted to talk about with you guys. Like what does save Daredevil, did, did, what does save Daredevil mean to you? Like, do you like everything enough about Daredevil that we should be saving all of it? Because there are obvious choices like Charlie is Daredevil, Matt Murdock. Yes, I don't think a lot of fans argue about that. Vincent mm-hmm. D'Onofrio's Kingpin, Wilson Fisk. I don't think a lot of fans argue love. about that. But when you get to some of the things the show did with the supporting characters and dragging that out and the drama of that, do do you guys want to save all of Daredevil? Or do you want to kind of take a pick-and-choose thing? Or do you want to just make something new for the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Matt, let's put you on the hot seat first.
3: Uh, I want to, because oh, I love Daredevil. Like, Daredevil is such a great show as its own. But what I will say is I would like them to cherry-pick because I don't, I feel like that part of the universe wasn't really, it was built in a different time. So now going forward, I don't know, I would just like Charlie Cox's Daredevil. I would like, uh, I liked Elektra in the show. Like I like a lot of the supporting characters in that show. Um, So bring them over, but don't necessarily like, you don't have to keep all the continuity the same like you don't have to bring over everything you don't have to retcon into a bunch of mcu movies like oh this happened over here and you weren't paying attention like i don't want all that because that just complicates things and it's it's unnecessary really people will be happy enough to have those characters in the mcu they don't care and you don't need to like Go over every breadcrumb. I'm fine.
1: So you're uh, saying port the cast over, but lose the continuity and start the continuity. Don't
3: speech. don't like be beholden to it. You don't have to be beholden to it if something's makes or sense. just say yeah, like that
1: loose reboot kind of thing. Yeah, like, it happened. We don't talk about it, but it happened, and it's just yeah. like over there. Okay. Um, and the caveat is, we can do all this. I mean, from what we're hearing about Spider-Man three, we can pick and choose anything, but right? Way, right. Yeah. Like, right. Right. So, but you're, you're down for the supporting characters to come. Like you're down on team Karen, team Foggy, the same actors and like all of that.
3: Yes. I wasn't a fan of some of their storylines during that, those three seasons occasionally, but that's with any character, I like them in those characters. So yeah. Bring over the cast, keep that intact, you know, and go from there. Jamie.
1: I always want to know what Jamie Lovett has to say because Jamie, uh, he doesn't hold back here. He lets his <laughs> opinion be known. Uh, how you? How do you feel about this Marvel Netflix stuff in,
4: in the MCU? I feel like uh, I feel like it should be all or nothing. Like Daredevil is essentially he's sad Spider Man, right? He's power and responsibility with Catholic guilt poured on top. That's all he is, and they got that right with the broad strokes on the Netflix show. So if you come in and you reboot it or change it for. Uh, disney plus or wherever Hulu wherever they want to put it what 's it going to be it 's just going to be that reheated, so why bother you 've already done three seasons of work just continue who who cares if it matches up with the movies i don 't care it doesn 't matter just, just if you 're going to keep it going, just keep it going. There are things i also don 't like about i I will never forgive them for the storyline where uh Karen Page walks into a dead reporter's office and just takes his job. Like <laughs> That's a <man>. That is <laughs> hey, I, don't, I don't understand what are you how that's complaining about but... How did half of us get our jobs in comic books?
2: God. That's great.
1: No, <laughs> we, he's, we <laughs> <laughs> he's like i'm not touching that term. yeah <laughs> i mean we won't go into that but uh yeah there's some corpse desks that i've inhabited in our offices uh whether literal or figurative uh yeah um yeah we i mean we refer to our business as being like the walking dead in many ways but uh yeah anyway so jamie jamie's going you're for all or nothing janelle as a tie vote and as like not as <sighs> huge a comic nerd as the rest of us what, what do you say
2: well, I will say that I did watch this as well as all of um, the shows that kind of come together with this one. And I'm I'm kind of on board with Matt. I feel like I've, I really did like their casting. I thought it was great. I definitely don't want them to just throw everything away and start new. Um, but I don't think they have to be so obsessive. Like they don't have to make everything make sense. Just like Matt said, like it's, I feel like it's, it's happened a lot with like Doctor Who and other similar shows that I watch where, um, you know, if they want to call back, they can. If they want to like connect something in some way, they can, but they also don't always do it. And that's okay with me. I'm all right with that. I just don't want them to change the cast. Cause I really, really enjoy the cast. I'm. But then it gets into the other shows, like like Luke Cage or Iron Fist. Like, are they gonna bring all of those over? It's just, it, it's, it's a spiral, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's where the thing. Where do they like,
2: end that? Like, where do they stop that?
1: I think I, I'm in the pick and choose camp. And yeah. I, I like the cast. I liked. I think I was more dedicated on these Netflix shows than most people. Um, I enjoyed a lot of the season twos even. So, mm-hmm. you know, I was kind of really into it. But I don't know that there are certain people that I would see in like a big budget MCU film. Like, I don't know if I see like, and I love Deborah Ann Waltz like her like her role as karen page i thought was great but i don't know if i see that karen page and that foggy kind of like matching up into the mcu as much um it, just in terms of like who they'd be kind of interacting with and what kind of stories we would do uh i could see foggy appearing more so in like a spider-man movie or something like that yeah for uh, sure Karen Page not so much in it again touches that question that Janelle brings up like then is that the standard for everybody because I don't necessarily want to see the same Danny Rand as I right. Fist in, in the MCU. I wouldn't.
2: I mean, he was. And okay, that's not again Finn but, Jones. Like yeah. Yeah,
1: again, if, if you wrote something different, it might be better. But like, I was never really like the biggest fan of him, and I don't know if he's like an international movie star. Time. Yeah, I was thinking
2: right. more for a show. I wasn't yeah. even thinking about movies. Uh, that's a whole different thing now. If we're well, talking, I mean, they get their is, own film. Well, this uh, is what you
1: got to do. If they go into like a, a full on MCU series, like then then the fence is wide open. They can pop right. the fence. Which way. is
3: which is actually why, like to clarify, when I'm looking at this, I am more looking at this for keeping the cast together for a movie. Like injecting these characters into the movie universe, okay. less than doing another, like season four of See, a I want season show. four. I am I, more, I have my eyes more on the future, mostly because of what Jamie said is that, like unless you're going to continue the story in a series, right. then you've, you're gonna obviously retread some things. So for me, just like, I want these characters in the MCU, move them forward, put them, it, slowly build them through movies. And then if you want to do a series later on, because then you've built up some material of your own and new things and new interactions. Cool. I'm more looking at it that way as opposed to like season four daredevil. Cause to me that there's a little bit of like, I get where Jamie's coming from of like, well, do we want to go over that against like seeing Batman's origin for the eighth time? Like, I don't need to see that. I already saw it.
4: And piggybacking off what Matt's saying. I mean, does the MCU really need these characters anymore? I mean, they've got, you're talking about iron fist, like, you want a martial arts superhero, they have a Shang-Chi movie coming yep. up. You want a dark, gritty superhero like Daredevil, they have a Moon Knight series coming up. It feels like they already, not to say that you can only have one of those kind of heroes by any means, but they do have at least one of those kind of heroes pretty much down the line.
2: And they have a ton on their page in general. Right. And I yeah. think
4: Jamie touches on the thing
1: that of why I'm in camp, pick and choose certain actors, lose the continuity, and just maybe pick the stars. Because I think that what he's saying is kind of absolutely true. I think instead of just a Daredevil series and stuff going forwards, I think these characters from the Netflix series would be most effective as kind of already familiarized kind of cameos or guest appearances and other things that would make it, you know, into more of an event. So because you don't have to do the work, right? If Charlie Cox's Matt Murdoch shows up in – in the next Moon Knight series or yeah. some Spider-Man spin-off series or whatever, that is. will get like, such a
3: huge pop, and you don't yeah. have to do anything else. No,
1: exactly. Yeah. We don't have to tell any backstory about here's how Matt Murdock got here. Forty-eight hours, early. like none of that. Like we can just—it's Charlie Cox. People love him. They know him. They know an even better suit he'll get. Um, they know Vincent D'Onofrio in the Kingpin, and like that's all you really got to go with because we're not going to get. So I don't want to get. With what we have on the level of mcu storytelling even on tv that's coming our way i don't need to get dragged into karen page's hometown backstory anymore like <laughs> and I, again i sent deborah ann wall a tweet saying how good she was in that episode i loved that episode and i, I loved like her. a lot in that part yes that's not- but when we're talking about on this different scale of the mcu in connectivity it's something different like wandavision falcon and winter soldier all this stuff like, I hope they don't have like weird Karen Page side B storylines that like drag us down, but I don't expect they will. I think that's one of those things Kevin Feige's course correcting on. So, yeah, I think you just need the big event characters for right now, especially in the beginning, and maybe let some of those other castings fade away more before you have to get into Daredevil's whole world.
3: Yeah, I agree. Uh, I also think if there's another series of the Netflix stuff, Mike Coulter's Luke Cage is the other one. Like, yeah, that's my culture. I want oh, to to me.
1: The only debate would be Danny Rand and if Finn Jones got some proper training and he was just a guest appearance and he got his butt kicked by Shang-Chi in a Shang-Chi movie, like I would love to see that. Don't like, don't uh,
4: don't don't put him next to Lewis Tan again. That was yeah. unfortunate.
1: Yeah. No, <laughs> like, but if he got yeah, like a flashback to Shang-Chi training with his, you know, syndicate and them fighting cun Lun and him sparring and kicking danny rand's butt would be an awesome thing that again got fans to pop without having to do much um yeah. so uh but yeah mike holter's luke cage and, and definitely Kristen oh, ritter's jessica yes. jones like absolutely hands down that's easy for me so all right let us know what you guys think about save daredevil where you stand on all this um yeah we always keep having these <laughs> mcu continuity is a funny thing these days but we keep having this debate so let us know where you guys stand All right, we're going to be moving right along over to Star Wars and talking about the future of Ahsoka Tano. So, The Mandalorian just aired or streamed uh, Chapter 13, The Jedi, which took Mando and Baby Yoda, or Grogun, as we know his name to be now. Grogu? Grogu. 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 Oh, that sounds worse. I like Grogu. Too. <laughs> Grogu. I mean, I'm never like... like I, I like, never like baby Yoda. Leaders. Yeah, I'm going with so baby Yoda. I'm not Yoda. calling like, him Grogu. So you can take that. <laughs> Keep that BS, Star Wars. I'm calling him baby Yoda because that's what he is. He's a baby version of Yoda. He's cute. We love it. It's awesome.
4: I'm so, referring okay. to the other one as adult Grogu from now on.
5: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. So baby Yoda and Mando go to this forest planet where we find... Ahsoka Tano has been kind of leading this one-woman rebellion against this evil magistrate uh, for reasons unknown at the beginning of the episode. And basically, Mando hooks up with her. uh, Not in that sense. They kind of meet, and they sit down, and she uses the Force to help him kind of translate Baby Yoda non-speak into information about who this person is you know, Grogu, and what his backstory is. He was, you know, snuck out of the Jedi Temple on Coruscant. He's important, uh, and he's been in hiding from the Empire. So after kind of getting that, you know, Ahsoka Tano and Mando team up, they take down this evil magistrate. Mando decides to be Baby Yoda's daddy, officially. Uh, and they're going to go find a Jedi Temple where they can call other Jedi. Because <laughs> Ahsoka says so he's not adorable. really qualified. She's too kind of PTSD after the whole Anakin Skywalker thing to kind of train him. So she sends him to a temple where they can call on other Jedi to uh, train baby Yoda or see if he should just be retired from the force. Um, yeah. So that's the kind of overview. This episode uh, was, I think, for me, really successful. You know that I'm a big Clone Wars, Rebel Star Wars animation fan, and that's been basically like Ahsoka Tano's own official uh, storyline for those and i loved rosario dawson as the live action ahsoka and i think she it. did a great job in dave filoni of showing people why this character is so awesome why she's become such a icon to so many star wars fans and she just looked cool in a lot of those scenes in, in this episode with her two white lightsabers. Dual lightsaber.
3: yeah. white lightsabers rock
1: yeah those were awesome <laughs> and uh he did such a yeah. good
2: job with those
1: yeah and her fight with the magistrate was awesome like yeah all that stuff is great so the question now is that we're discussing is like where does this go from here um I think a lot of us have been kind of speculating that these characters from Clone Wars that we're going to see in Mandalorian, Bo-Katan Kreeze, Ahsoka Tano, were part of a larger seasonal story arc. But it's looking like that's a bit more of a question now as we kind of see where the season's going. Uh, It's arguable that both these appearances, I mean, there's something that, Matt, in your interview with Sasha Banks, you were talking to her. And I think you kind of came to the conclusion that she said something that it was probably her only appearance in The Mandalorian this year was Chapter 12 or uh, chapter 11. Um, Yeah. So it sounds like we might not see these characters pop up again, except for these kind of one, one off roles. I mean, that's just speculation. We don't know what the finale of the season is going to be, but Ahsoka's definitely on her own journey. She's out there looking for grand Admiral Thrawn, which is a whole other thing we'll get to Um, Bo-Katan's on her journey, which, I mean, I see like her, if anybody could reappear, it would be her fighting Moff Gideon for this dark saber. But it seems like Ahsoka's thing is on another path now. Before we got into this, I mean, if you guys have been listening to the show in season two, we talked to Ashley Eckstein, the voice of the animated Ahsoka, and we were all over these rumors about Rosario Dawson taking this role. And it's been rumored for sometimes that there's an Ahsoka spinoff coming in the works. <gasps> and this episode certainly seems like an Arrowverse-style kind of backdoor pilot for an episode, for a spinoff, right? Um, yeah, yeah. So let's discuss. I want to know what do you guys to. want to see in Ahsoka spin spinoff. Do you think there's enough there? What do you want it yes. to be about and how or like what kind of format do you want it to take? Uh, More Janelle. More
2: content.
3: <laughs> I, <laughs> I love it. I have
2: said this in so long. More content.
1: Well, let's get, yeah, Janelle, let's go to you because yeah. I, you, I, unless I'm wrong, you didn't watch any of the Star Wars animated stuff. No,
2: but so after this episode, I had some serious research to do because in order to really experience this properly, I feel like you have to figure out who she is and what she's about. I, because otherwise it's just another character and they, you know, there's not like a ton of dialogue or anything. So I am just just so excited to see what the heck is going on with Thrawn and her affiliation. I feel after trying to understand his role and all of his backstory... If he's a good guy or a bad guy, is he Empire, like, it, it, Republic? I don't know. And I just want to know, like, why is she on this quest to find him? I don't know if we're going to see, like, are we going to follow her now? Are we staying with the Mandalorian? I don't know. Well, we that's can what, in what in I want to know. We can fill in yeah. some of that
1: for you. So um, Ahsoka's kind of really came out in Clone Wars, the animated series, which is set between episodes two and three. And she's introduced as Adewan, Anakin Skywalker's Padawan. And they had this very odd couple relationship in the beginning because he's reckless and she doesn't listen. She's also reckless, but eventually they, be, they bond over this.
2: And she references Both him in this episode of Man Yeah.
1: When she says that she, she knows what happens when fear really gets into a powerful force user and all that. Yeah. Um, and so she best, kind of, best. she got framed by some dark side users uh, for a murder she didn't commit and sabotage against the Republic. And, So the Jedi Council turned against her, and eventually they cleared her name. Anakin cleared her. But because they doubted her, she didn't feel like the Jedi. And she also had kind of issues about the Jedi, which turned out to be totally true, that they had been kind of too close with the Republic. They'd become these soldiers instead of what they were supposed to be. And she was right, and that's how they got blindsided and taken out by Darth Sidious. And she left the Order right before that happened. And she survived Order 66 because she helped— Bo-Katan free Mandalore from Darth Maul, and Darth Maul knew what Sidious was up to, and he tipped Ahsoka off right before Order 66, and she kind of felt what was happening in the Force, and she managed to escape with Captain Rex and survive Order 66. She went into hiding. Right. Now, there's a bunch of Star Wars books that I'm not going to ever read that about <laughs> random stuff she did on random planets. None of that. I mean, it's canon. I but would like
2: to see a show about all that.
1: No, oh, not me. I'm good. I mean, whole Flash, adventure? I mean... Which- I mean random references and flashbacks in an episode and i'll say if they do a series of her i would okay. like it to be present day flashing back to some of the gaps we have in her story Got it. um so some of those books could be could be depicted in flashback but i don't need a whole series about it because they're kind of okay. boring uh, <laughs> nothing really happens it's just about her finding out how to be a, a new kind of jedi so mm-hmm. then she resurfaced she meets bail organa leia's father who recruits her into the rebellion <clears throat> under the code name fulcrum and she hooks up with a crew from rebels And she helped them during their kind of early days of the rebellion. She uh, faced Darth Vader at a Sith temple while battling Darth... You know, she faced Maul and Vader in this epic showdown. And the series ended with Grand... The rebels caused so much trouble in the early days of rebellion that the Empire brought in one of their best masterminds, who was the uh, naval officer, uh, Grand Admiral Thrawn, who was this, like, really kind of just messed up, intelligent you know, schemer uh, and he was a very dangerous foe and the rebels couldn't really defeat them. Kanan died. They couldn't fully beat him. And so a- Ezra Bridger sacrificed himself by basically trapping Thrawn on a spaceship and zooming them out into deep space. Um, the two of them where they were lost for, 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 you know, they were lost and that's why we don't know about them in main Star Wars continuity. Yeah. Um, so they've been gone. So the Mandalorian basically reveals that Thrawn is still alive and he's back from deep space uh, and, and up to kind of whatever plot he's up to using this magistrate and whatever she was doing and, you know, whatever schemes he's making. Um, so presumably now Star Wars fans are all giddy because Thrawn is out there. The ending of Rebels is kind of continuing and presumably Ezra Bridger might and a very a much older Ezra Bridger might also be out there. Who is this other key kind of force user character um, that emerged at the time that the Jedi went after the Jedi fell. So that's all that backstory. And so an Ahsoka series could essentially take place in the early days of the sequel trilogy after Return of the Jedi, with her searching this on this search for Thrawn and flashing back to the days during the original trilogy, that era of time and what she was doing while hiding. I love that.
2: And if they don't do her own series about this, I would like them to show what's happening with Thrawn in this series. I, I want to know what's going on because I, from just what I've the research I've done, it seems as though Thrawn might be uh, kind of this other thing, this other entity and who's creating like his own army and his own um, base and all of this and going up against um the empire i don't know it, it just seems very interesting to me and i hope that it's either part of this story or it gets its own story because i'm i'm super intrigued
1: yeah, i'm very I intrigued
2: like, by that character both of them
1: and i think I'm, I'm with you in the sense that i think this would have to be a basically a, like a live action star wars rebels continuation sequel series um basically picking up ahsoka ezra uh sabine Wren, rex uh, Captain Hera and all that stuff, and like what they were doing during
4: the actual rebellion. I'd watch
3: to that. Yeah. I would totally yeah, watch it, that. It's
4: interesting. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw where Filoni hinted that that last scene in Rebels may actually take place after this episode of The Mandalorian. So, what I'm getting out of that is that Ahsoka is looking for Thrawn because she's looking for Ezra. And that, you know, what the Ahsoka series, if it happens, might be is. She goes back to Lothal, gets Sabine, and they go off on their quest like you saw at the end there. And it's interesting because like Thrawn is a this big bad villain from the old Expanded Universe. In the old Expanded Universe, he was hiding out in the unknown regions, building his own army like Janelle was talking about. So what I'm getting out of this is that they've kind of set him up in the same position uh, in the new continuity where the space whales took him off into the outer regions and whether his army is the first order or something separate, you know, it it feels like the kind of thing that can turn all the Star Wars plans that are out there into its own little mini MCU where the Ahsoka show can be dealing with it, but also uh, you know, still happening in the Mandalorian. Uh and, and that's interesting with those ties to Palpatine with the clones and the First Order and all that stuff. Yeah. It, it's lots of stuff. Dave it's Filoni exciting. Is, Dave Filoni is very much a uh, uh, kevin Feige level world builder and it's cool to get him Ooh, see good play on this big uh bigger scale with the live actors. Killing it, man.
2: so Killing is Ahsoka it. against thrawn or is she wanting well, to team up with we're gonna
1: take a break we're gonna take a break pay some bills, <laughs> we'll come back and we'll close out all of that about what's going on and uh move on to our last topic batman catwoman stay tuned All right, so Janelle, you had a final question. Goes to you, yeah. Neil.
2: Ahsoka is she trying to find Thrawn to team up with, or does she want to take um, him down? It may.
1: I think what Jamie's alluding to is that we don't know exactly why she wants to find Thrawn. I mean, Thrawn's a bad guy. He's not somebody you want to okay. leave out there. Um, so there's that. But she may be finding Thrawn to find Ezra because Star Wars Rebels ended with this kind of epilogue about the various rebels characters and kind of like what happens to them after after this formative period in the early days of the rebellion and so like captain Hera is one of the ships that like shows up in rogue one to kind of fight the empire and get the death star plans you know um and so these were the people who helped inspire the rebellion so the story of what happened to them throughout the rebellion is actually a big thing like captain rex is Been retconned to be one of those soldiers on Endor who fought in Return of the Jedi and stuff like that. So one of the things that's a hole in that is what happened to Ahsoka during that time. Like I said, there's books that she was hiding on planets, but there's also like uncapped time. And her epilogue is she and Sabine Wren, who is a Mandalorian um, and a rebel, uh, teamed up to go find Ezra and to not because the series was about Ezra. He was kind of the main character, and they didn't want to leave him lost in space with Thrawn, so they were going to go find him, but they had no idea where to look or or how to find him. And so what Jamie's saying is now the Mandalorian suggesting that this scene at the end of Rebels of them going to look for him takes place after the Mandalorian. So we could actually get a series of her trying to find Thrawn as a means to finding Ezra or learning something about Ezra's fate that would make her want to take down Thrawn, you know. Cool. So, but that's it. That's uh, for Star Wars, Ahsoka Tano and uh, everything we're looking forward to. I think we're all hoping that more continues with Ahsoka now in live action because, I mean, she is the ultimate gap filler of Star Wars. Literally, when they have continuity gaps, they go back and fill in an Ahsoka story to kind of make it <laughs> up. Um, and so we still have a big stretch of time in the early days. Uh, during the OT and the early days of this era before, you know, in the 30 plus years between the end of Returning of Jedi and Force Awakens, So she could definitely occupy that time because the end of the story we know is she is one of the voices that helps Ray defeat Palpatine and the rise of Skywalker. And she's still alive at that time. So there you go. That's Star Wars for you. We keep watching the Mandalorian every week. (laughs) All right, moving right along today's comic (laughs) review. Let's talk Batman and Catwoman. So as I said at the start, Tom King, one of the most controversial Batman writers in recent years, um people seem to either love him or hate him uh i didn't even know this because i'm in the love camp i actually love what he does uh i like batman as more theatrical play than comic book pulp uh it's interesting to me and so one of the most controversial things that tom king did was of course the batman catwoman wedding uh that didn't really make fans happy (laughs) when that happened but uh you know, he's gone with it. He's stuck. At least he sticks to his guns, right? So Batman and Catwoman have been like a running thing in his Batman books. Uh, they even call each other pet names like Bat and Cat. And now we have this miniseries. And if that wasn't enough, that Com King was just taking his most controversial <laughs> storyline and spitting it out into an entire series, as an yes! movie, he also was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to reach back and take one of your favorite Batman things of all time. Uh, Batman the Animated Series movie, Mask of the Phantasm. And I'm going to play with that too. Because right now, you know, I'm not, I'm not just satisfied playing with like Watchmen and Rorschach and all that stuff. I also want to play with Batman Mask of the Phantasm and all your favorite toys. So, Batman and Catwoman also kind of weirdly functions as a Batman Mask of the Phantasm sequel series. Um, it brings back Andrea Beaumont, uh, the Phantasm. And it runs this really intricate three timeline kind of non-linear story uh if if, again in Tom King fashion with a lot of dialogue right um so first off let's go around the room how did you guys just even feel about this the way this issue presented its story and, and the format and were you I mean did you have to I had to read this like at least twice and there are some things that Comixology Guided View could just not handle. And this is one of them. You actually have to, like, <laughs> you actually have to look at an entire page of this at once to be like, really where true. am I and what's happening? Because panel to panel, you can get very lost very quick.
3: As someone who likes Guided View a lot, that is totally true.
1: Oh yeah, <laughs> no, I love books. Guided View, but I was yeah. like, zoom out, let me see everything. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I do not know what's happening. So it was kind of, but I liked it. Um, I will say I liked it in... I actually, even though it's convoluted and intricate, I I actually like how the thematics between the three timelines are tying things together Mm -hmm. and the kind of motifs they're going. Um, And we're gonna talk full spoilers because there is some big reveals by the end of this issue about like kind of what's going on. But the three timelines are present day now, Batman and Catwoman trying to help uh, Andrea Beaumont find her missing son. What brought her out of hiding as he snuck back into Gotham. There's a storyline of the past of Batman Catwoman's early days and specifically Catwoman and Joker's kind of conversation about her occupying this weird space as a villain and Batman's lover and a future timeline with a very kind of elderly Catwoman taking this road trip to a trailer park to go see this dude for, for a kind of old people's conversation. Um, about the past and what all's yes. happened in their life. <laughs> um, and that's,
3: that's exactly the best what it is. description ever. <laughs> like, how oh, how you what been? That how you
2: been? <laughs> wouldn't that be the current timeline then? And then both of those other ones are just in the past?
1: No. Uh, okay. No. Because <laughs> just blew in, present day, up. in present day, Batman and Catwoman are middle-aged and, and in their prime. In the future, Catwoman's old.
2: Oh, so um, it lets us see the future. Even yeah.
3: though... You know, it's just so weird because like it's black label, it's also DC. So like this could be one of those like possible future things that they like to do in other Ooh, books. Who knows? Who I'm knows? Yeah.
2: glad you say that. <laughs> yeah, it's, not, it's
1: not like, this continuity is black. Very label. I am
2: yeah, very relieved. Basically, if people totally. like it,
1: it's, it's real. And if people don't like it, it's <laughs> yeah. so true. I mean, so just the- by d- dipping into Mask of the Phantasm is playing outside of continuity and with a lot of ideas that are questionable about continuity because that that movie uses continuity things
3: that are very questionable, like, about- Oh, yeah, that movie, like, is totally by itself in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, okay, so you wanted to get around the room, so. Well, I
2: just want to say I'm very relieved that I was not the only one that had to read this twice, at least, and that it was a a little- Confusing at first because I was I thought I was just completely in over my head I could not understand what was happening until about halfway through and then I was like you know what I'm just going to start over <laughs> halfway through because I need to understand what's going on so that makes me feel better
3: I, and then, I feel like that description yeah. is a lot of King books in the last okay. like ten years I feel like if you like maybe it's because like coming off of Rorschach Heroes and Crisis like some of these other and of course is Batman Run like. He, he tends to do that a lot where like middle of the book, it doesn't really all gel until then. Um, right. That's just like a, a trend of his, but yeah, I mean, I look, I, uh, I dig this. I am very much in the uh, no sacred cows camp. So take all these things that like everybody says is you don't mess with or whatever and play with them and see what something cool happens. I mean, as long as you don't screw it up and so far, there's a lot of interesting things at play. We'll see how it all plays out at the end. Um, but I think this is—I I really liked uh, how we weave some of that stuff in, and I'm just because I read Batman 104 right after, and that was unfortunate for Batman 104 because going from like this kind of back and forth between Selina and Bruce, which I have missed so much during all the Joker War stuff and the designer stuff, coming back to that and like seeing like what feels more like an actual couple, and it it creates this thing of like, wow, I, how much I missed it from like the last 20 issues of Batman regular. Lots of
2: snogging. Well, lots stuff. of snogging,
3: but lots it's it. like, um, also uh, Clayman's art is stunning though. Beautiful. A couple Beautiful. gratuitous butt shots. Let's- Lots of booty. Let's, let's of bring it. that in a little bit, was, bit, I, but, I mean, yeah. I was
2: about it. I like, that was one of my favorite Yeah,
3: part. but it's just like, <laughs> well, it's I was like shocked front center.
1: The, 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 the uh, alarm bypass sequence where batman wakes <laughs> up in
3: bed and they're black like, label baby yeah, yeah. I'm like, take whoa. advantage of that black label thing yeah. <laughs> i'm just like
1: whoa okay yeah but that's my know. two cents cat pose all right got it so anyway um jamie and will how do you feel i was uh, i'm always interested
4: to hear what you're what you're gonna come out with uh, i guess i'm no the downer you. here because i i didn't like it frankly uh i mean i'm Mask of the phantasm is one of my favorite batman things ever I'm not necessarily against playing with it. Like under the right circumstances, I'd be very into phantasm being taken into comics canon or whatever. But here it just feels like they took a story that is in part very good because of its uh, simplicity in humanity. And were are like, I'm going to pretense this up with songs and, really hard to follow narrative storytelling and bouncing back and forth without really telling you when I'm doing it. And I don't know. I just found it kind of a mess. Well,
1: I think kind of what you and Matt are both saying and Tom King does is he takes things that are normally in the comic book pulp in the pulp tradition and are very highly dramatic moments and makes them incredibly understated like Mm. Andrea Beaumont just shows up in Bruce Wayne's you know living room you know for a drink and it's like hey bruce what's up again you know and the last time he saw her she was seemingly died died in a fire battling joker and left him just a <laughs> little calling card to say hey i may still be alive and like and he's just like oh hey what's up and he's like and catwoman's like didn't this girl die and she's like ah joker survived she probably she apparently did too she's just been chilling hiding from joker you know how it is and it's just like that again like in a normal comic at the end of issue one, there would have been this major reveal that Bruce Wayne goes home after all this trouble and who's some mysterious boy jokers after. Him, and it's like, Andrea Beaumont's back from the dead. And it's like, nope. And this is just like, Phantasm's back. And like, yep, her son gets killed. And at the end, she goes and digs up her Phantasm thing. And she's like, yep, I'm gonna be Phantasmus again because, you know, and that's just, that's just what it is. But it, what I like what King does, and I'll say this is we haven't talked about the ending. So the end reveal is that the timeline in the future where Selena Kyle takes this kind of coastal road trip down to this trailer park and meets this old man for some old man talk. Uh, the old man is actually Joker. And Batman's died, apparently, of cancer. And they have this touching moment where Joker's really emotional about it, and he's crying, and, and they throw this twist because they're hugging. And Selena, she says, what do we do now? This feels like the end of something. But she says, oh, you know what we're going to do now. He can't stop me. I'm going to kill you. And that's when you're like, wait, what? And then Joker kind of takes off this old man makeup and he's just, he is old man Joker. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, his hair has fallen out, but he's still very much Joker and he just starts cracking up that Selena's going to kill him. And the suggestion is that there's something that's going to play out here um, with Andrea Beaumont that in Phantasm and Joker, and it's going to mess both Batman and Catwoman up pretty bad by the end of it. Um, yeah. Enough so that Catwoman had this grudge for whatever, how many decades before she's going to go back and...
3: Which is what I would, yeah. which is what I would say to the, the fact that it doesn't... We're talking about one issue. Like this, is, like, this is a thing that's going to play out over several issues. Right. And to say, like, it's not... I, I, can't, I can't say it's going to deliver or not or it's going to be ultimately worth it or not because, of course, like, this is just the very beginning part so like i kind of hold judgment on whether it was worth it to dip into that or not but also i i don't i'm always like and i know this has already drawn a bunch of things on like social media and stuff of like don't mess with my baby that's a great movie and it is because exactly for the reasons you said though it is simple like if you go back and watch that i watched that last year like it's it's really good i love it it's also very simple and so it's nice to actually add some complexity. We'll see if that pays off. But it also doesn't alter the original in any way. So, like, I always tell people, like, it doesn't rob you of, like, every time I hear someone say, like, it screws up my childhood, I'm like, I vomit a little bit inside. <laughs> like, it's like, just get over it. It does not mess with that in any way. That's still intact. This is something different to play with the material.
1: Yeah. And uh, it is a low invasive thing because Andrea Beaumont just got on a steamliner and disappeared into hiding for. Whenever, So she could come back whenever. It's not like we had to bring a Resurrector with like a hell spell or something. So, yeah, I'm going to be interested to see how this plays out and if these intersecting storylines really do feel because they, there's obvious thematic connection between like, you know, the, the, the past and the future and Catwoman and Joker's interactions when the early days of their kind of costume hijinks and then this later time when they're older. And in the middle is a story with Batman and Phantasm and Phantasm and Joker. So going to be interested to see what goes on with Batman, Catwoman. Uh, but as always, like with every time King, Tom King book, not at all what I expected when I opened the cover. So here we go. <laughs> all right. That'll do it for this episode of Comic Book Nation. We got a couple quick mentions to go through in our little rundowns. I just wanted to mention really quick the ending of – HBO's The Undoing, um, that murder mystery with Hugh Grant and Nicole Kidman, which was a pretty excellent TV drama for this kind of fall season. And uh, the ending, you want to talk about kind of things. It's really kind of a feat when a show can, you know, a mystery show seemingly tells you what's happening in the first episode and throws you a bunch of red herrings and then brings it back to, no, this is what was really happening the whole time that we told you um, and still makes it compelling and... The Undoing very much did that. So yeah, if you have HBO, HBO Max, and you haven't checked that out, check that out because it was a really good show um, and really great performances. And some people definitely need some Emmy noms. Hugh Grant is still the man. So yeah. Mm -hmm. And Fargo season four was the most Fargo. I've said before it was the most Fargo of all the Fargo's and my favorite. And this, if they don't get like a bunch of Emmys for the writing and production of this season of the show, I will be, I'll be on the floor. Like Noah Hawley and that writing team, it was amazing this season. One of the best seasons of TV I've seen in a long time, Fargo season four and best of the series for me. And it even ends on an epilogue twist that this was all actually just the secret origin story of one of the series fan favorite villains. And so we now have an origin story for that villain. So wow. and it connects back to season two. So that was an unexpected surprise wow. a lot of people called that theory but i'm not that deep into fargo you know universe but uh a lot of people figured it out but it, it was a nice reveal at the end of the show this was just kind of the like i said the origin story of a fan favorite character so those were my two mentions on the tv from matt you got new comics for us this week hit us up
3: Yeah. Uh, So we talked about previously, Batman number 104 is out. Uh, That does the, or you finally get the origin of Ghostmaker uh, for like a full on origin between him and Bruce. So that's interesting. Uh, We got Thor number 10, Daredevil number 25, Hellions number seven, uh, Deceased Dead Planet number six, King in Black, Uh, Knoll is the full, like, mainstream big event here coming up, so this is the first issue. Black Widow, number four. Far Sector, number nine. Batman The Adventures Continue, number seven. Uh, the new event that is starting up in DC, Justice League Endless Winter, kicks off in that one shot. Uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, number 20. The Union, number one. Heavy, number three. Erratic, number one, which is about a team that can only use his powers for ten minutes at a time. That kickstarts, uh, this week as well. And then Dryad, number seven. So that's comics. Man,
1: I can't believe it. Ne- Yo, next show. If for our last two show arc, we got to talk about the end of uh, Ten of Swords. I forgot about that. We did yeah, not yeah, think we about talk that. about that. Uh, Ten of Swords of Destruction was was really good. And I'm kind of psyched for what happens next. And I think we'll talk about crossovers. That was the most marvely crossover ending I have seen in a long time. And I was there <laughs> for it. So we are going to break down Ten of Swords ending next time. Also, an event
3: that plays out like no one expected
1: man. yeah really like you're not <laughs> kidding so we're gonna talk about that next time but that'll do it for this episode of comic book nation we want to thank you guys for tuning in as always we will be putting up new episodes weekly where you can listen is on the site comicbook.com, or you can find us on apple Podcasts, uh, stitcher spotify iheart radio and other podcast platforms you can tell your smart home devices to fire up comic book nation podcast or you can watch video of the show live on facebook weekly Or on the Comic Book Nation YouTube page If you want to interact with us or the show We're at the At Comic Book Nation Twitter handle And the Comic Book Nation hashtag Or you can hit me up at Kofi Outlaw You can find me at Matt Aguilar CB
2: You can find me at Janelle Wheeler
1: And I'm at Jamie Lovett That'll do it Thank you guys for listening in. If you love the show, go on Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review because after COVID, we are sending all our five-star reviewers a complimentary t-shirt and you want to get one. So be sure to leave us a five-star review. Otherwise, that'll do it for this episode of Comic Book Nation. Thank you guys. Peace. (laughs) Peace.